0: I think one of the saddest things in the world is to see someone who was once alive and free uh, with vision and direction for their spiritual life uh, become bitter and cold and heartless with no direction at all. They just drift away from God and allow their character to become damaged. Uh, they allow a heart that was once full of life to get better And David, who we're getting to know in this series, had a front row seat to watch that process go on in the life of King Saul. Uh, Saul began his journey so well. Uh, Samuel said about him, do you see this man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. It's a very rare phrase. It's used only a few times in scripture. And it's a great compliment. No one like him among all the people. Saul started out, as a humble man. Uh, He didn't think he deserved to be the king. In fact, when he was first anointed king, his response was to continue to work faithfully on his farm. Uh, He was a humble man. When Saul was first anointed king, some of the Israelites opposed him. Uh, There were factions that were opposed to him. Uh, But after he was crowned, uh, he took them into battle to defeat their foreign enemies and morale went sky high. 1 Samuel 11 says, the people then said to Samuel, now where are those men who said Saul shouldn't rule over us? Bring them here and we will kill them. I mean, they were ready to destroy any internal opposition to Saul, which was commonly done in those days. But Saul said, no one shall be put to death today. For this day, the Lord has rescued Israel. I mean, they were just... There was just this gracious, noble spirit about him, and people loved that. He was only 30 years old when he became king. Uh, He was tall, he was strong, he was humble, he was a warrior, he loved God, and the future looked so bright. He was so full of promise of what might be. Yet he reigned for 42 years, and when he died, all that promise was wasted, it was all lost. By the time he died, he was tormented by depression, driven by envy. Uh, His mind and emotions were in ruins. He lost the respect of all the people around him. His children were alienated from him. He was incapable of love or peace or joy. Uh, He was just a shell of what he once had been. And as I look at the kind of man Saul started out as and all the promise that was in him, And then I look at the kind of man he became in the end. I can't help but wonder, how did it happen? I mean, how does a life deteriorate so badly? And of course, no one plans to become that kind of person. It just happens one day at a time. Uh, No one plans to be destroyed by envy. It just happens one day at a time. Saul didn't set out to be wicked or violent. He just kind of drifted into it. And the real problem, I think, was that he was never courageous enough to face the brokenness inside of himself. And the reason this is so important and the reason I'm talking about this today is because I believe we all face that same choice. At night when I put my kids to bed, I'll sit with them and I'll pray with them. And I often pray about who they will become. I'll think of what God's hope for them was when he created them. And I'll pray that God will give them uh, noble and brave hearts. And I'll pray that God will give them uh, bold spirits. And I'll pray that they learn to run the race of life well and with integrity and character. And I'll pray that they open themselves up to God the very best they can. And this week, as I was studying, I was thinking of God's hope when he created you. And I got to thinking, I wonder what direction you're headed these days. Do you have a noble heart? Are you running the race well? Are you on the right track? Do you have a brave spirit? Are you opening yourself up to God the very best you can? I hope and pray that you are. And I hope and pray that God will use things like words from an uh, an inadequate person like myself to keep you moving toward him. But I believe we all wrestle with this deep brokenness. I just believe that if we were to sit down together face to face and be vulnerable enough to open up our lives, and we just kept going from one area to the next, uh, eventually we would find an area of deep brokenness. Maybe a habit that you can't fix. Maybe a train of thought that you can't escape. Uh, Traits that you can't run away from. And these are deeply troubling to us, although we often seek to avoid them. And so I want to give you a theological truth today. If you don't remember anything else I say today, remember this. Although I hope you do remember some other things too. Uh, This is a deep theological truth rooted in the doctrine of the fall. And that is everyone is broken. Uh, We all have this deep brokenness. And the key is, will I have the courage and the faith to face my own brokenness? I think when we come right down to it, that's the difference between Saul and David. Saul didn't have the courage to face his brokenness and David did. And so I want to spend the time that remains in this talk, thinking with you about how did Saul go wrong? Because I believe the story of Saul is potentially the story of every one of us. I think we meet Saul, not just in scripture, I think we meet Saul in our own hearts. And I want to get as clear as I can today on why the decay of the human spirit uh, is so dangerous and what it looks like, uh, because I want us to fight it with all of the strength that God gives us. So we're going to walk through what might be four stages of spiritual decay, four four stages in the decline of the human spirit.
1: It takes courage to ask ourselves what direction we're headed in, relationally, vocationally, or financially. The one area that impacts and influences all others is spirituality. It takes courage to be honest with ourselves. Where are you headed spiritually? I believe we all want growth in every area of life. And the spiritual growth of a Christ-centered life begins with knowing where you are and a plan to get where you want to be. As part of our spiritual growth initiative, we soon will launch a personal spiritual assessment based on 15 years of research from churches worldwide to help you identify where you are and provide you with individualized feedback, actionable next steps you can take. The assessment identifies the beliefs, attitudes, and actions that will become catalysts of spiritual growth, whether you're exploring Christ, a committed Christ follower, or anywhere in between. It takes courage to discover or acknowledge where we're at, but courage is the start of a step forward. If you're ready to make this a year of spiritual growth and would like to take the assessment when it launches. Go to blueoakschurch.org and click the latest news, then the grow button, or text grow to 925-275-5520 and follow the link you'll receive. Let's rejoin Matt as we learn what led to Saul's collapse.
0: All right, now we're going to walk through four stages in the decline of the human spirit. Uh, That sounds exciting, doesn't it? Well, I hope you stick with me because I believe this is important for us to look at. And I wanna ask that while we do this, that you have this kind of running conversation with God. Something like David's conversation with God in the Psalms when he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. If there's any place where this process of decay is going on inside of me, uh, let me know about it. All right, so the first stage is this, Saul learned to rationalize his missteps. Uh, Saul is named king by the prophet Samuel, and he's about to lead the troops into battle against the Philistines. Uh, Samuel says to him, Saul, I want you to go to Gilgal, and I want you to wait there, and I'll come in seven days and we'll seek God's help. we will pray, I'll offer offer sacrifices. Uh, Saul, it's very important. Uh, you're not to offer the sacrifices now there's a key dynamic here in our day we prize the separation of church and state uh, freedom to worship uh, in the ancient world uh, that was not a, a concept that existed in the ancient world the king the head of the people was also the head of the religion and it was little israel where this idea was born that the king himself was not god didn't have a special relationship to God and he ought to submit to God this is very important I mean we owe a huge debt to this and Samuel says to Saul I don't want you leading the people into worship Uh, kings in Israel would often violate this and it led to great trouble over the years Saul you go to Gilgal and wait seven days do nothing until I get there got it got it. What's your job? Wait. How many days? Seven days. Here's what happens. Saul remained at Gilgal and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. Uh, Waiting to go into battle is a hard work. Uh, They're scared. They don't know what's going to happen. Saul waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal and Saul's men began to scatter. Uh, Saul is getting real nervous and An anxious leader is a dangerous thing. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. Uh, Now, Saul knows he's done what he was not supposed to do. He violates God's command. He just decides like, I'll go ahead and I'll lead the people into worship. I'll take credit for being this, uh, you know, the most spiritual person. And Samuel comes. And Samuel, uh, Samuel's immediate question is, what have you done? I mean, God raised you up. God gave you the kingdom. God wants to use you. God asked you to do this one thing. Saul, what have you done? And this was a key moment in Saul's life. And he could have come clean. I mean, he could have said, I was scared, I was anxious, I disobeyed. Um, How do I make things right? I want to repent. He doesn't do that. For you and me, there will be these crossroads moments in our lives where our character is in the balance. And here's what Saul says to Samuel. When I saw that the men were scattering, And you know that's a real problem, right? I mean, I'm the leader and they're going away. There's a morale problem going on. And that you, Samuel, by the way, the prophet did not come at the set time. I mean, it's kind of your fault, Samuel. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. It's not my fault. Like, I'm the king. I'm entitled. I get to do whatever needs to be done. I get to decide. I want to tell you, Uh, anxiety and then you couple that with entitlement like I'm in power I'm in control it's okay for me I don't have to play by the rules I mean that kind of stuff is dangerous you see Saul won't look at his anxiety he won't deal with his entitlement he won't confess to what he's done wrong he won't come clean a little while later he's at war with the Amalekites Uh, Samuel comes again to Saul Saul has messed up a couple of times now, and so Samuel gives him uh, real clear instructions. Uh, You are not to enrich yourself in this battle. Whatever loot, whatever uh, plunder, whatever livestock comes your way, I want you to destroy it. Uh, To not use it to make you as king rich. Everything gets destroyed, got it? Got it. And then there's the battle, and God gives them victory. But Saul decides, you know, there's some choice livestock here and I'm the king, so I'm going to keep it. And he does. He disobeys what God called him to do. And Samuel comes to see him again. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor. Not a real humble thing. And has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. You know, his language is so pious. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. And it's not easy to pull the wool over Samuel's eyes. Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle as a sacrifice to the Lord your God. It's not my fault. The soldiers did it and Samuel, we know how devoted you are to your God. It's, you know, it's to sacrifice to the God that you love so much. Again, he disobeys God. He just refuses to come clean. And Samuel has to tell him, Saul, the kingdom will be ripped from your grasp. And then Samuel makes this real poignant statement. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. So let me ask you, is there anywhere in your life right now where you've just been rationalizing missteps? You're clearly disobeying God, but you're rationalizing it. I think the Holy Spirit is perfectly capable of prompting those thoughts in you. Maybe you've been gossiping about someone, but you kind of rationalize it because you want to know how to pray more specifically about them. Or it's okay to tell you because you're my friend. Or I have every right to resent that person. They deserve it. Or I, you know, I really haven't taken the time to pray, but you know, it's just a busy season right now. Or I've been holding on to my money, you know, I haven't been tithing, I haven't been generous. Is there any area where God is saying, you know, there is not wholehearted obedience to me? in this area of your life, I just plead with you to get on the right track with God. Because if you don't, it's only going to get worse, which is what happens with Saul. Saul just goes downhill from here. The second thing that happens is this. Saul learned to tolerate separation from God. When Saul was a young man, I mean, he loved to pray. He loved to worship. He loved to point people toward God and then over time as he's disobedient and this will happen he just doesn't want to think about God this can happen to you and me as well you don't want to look at scripture Uh, you don't want to pray because that'll make you feel bad there's this separation you just avoid thinking about it and then that leads in Saul's life to this sense of unease and unrest and discomfort and insecurity. The writer of scripture puts it like this. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. It's not that God wanted that. Uh, Saul made it clear that he didn't want God. God doesn't force himself on us. And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. It's kind of an odd phrase. Most, Most likely this phrase evil spirit could be translated a troubling spirit or distressing spirit. The idea seems to be that as Saul was experiencing pain, God allowed that just to continue so that Saul would experience enough uh, internal unrest, this lack of peace, this unease, so that he would be motivated to turn back to God. But he doesn't do that. It's a real interesting course he takes instead. Whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp, then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. Now, part of what we see is what an amazing musician David must have been. I mean, Saul is tormented, and the music of David brings him relief. Uh, Two of our kids are in music class this semester, so uh, they've been playing instruments in our home for the last several months. Uh, We've never said to them, come and play your saxophone to give us relief. You see, what Saul needed was to come clean. What Saul needed was to repent. What Saul needed was to ask the question, God, how are things between me and you, really? God, what needs to change in my life? What do you need? uh, What do I need to confess? Uh, What do I need to do to examine my life what do i need to understand and you really that's what will lead us to real health real emotional and spiritual health he doesn't want to do that he just wants relief and you know music will do that sometimes i think that's why some people always have music on because they don't want to be alone and hear that question how are things in my soul really and so let me ask you is there any pattern in your life where there's unrest inside of you? You know, when you're still, do you get uncomfortable? So you just look for an escape or relief. You know, I'll just, I'll just work a little bit longer, I'll just turn on the television, I'll just go online, I'll just pull out my cell phone, I'll, I'll have another drink, I'll spend a little more money, I'll buy something. I'm just going down the relief route not living with God so that there's this peace at the core of my being. Saul just gets used to living with separation and God didn't make us for that. Is that going on with you? Is there a sense of the presence of God in your life? If there isn't, are you willing to look at that together with God? If not, it'll lead to the third stage which we'll talk about in just a moment.
1: How to experience the presence of God in our lives is not a mystery. It's found through the spiritual practices and habits we develop. Two spiritual practices that open us to an awareness of God's presence are reading the Bible and prayer. Reading the Bible has been shown to be the most influential means to experience God and grow in love for him. Maybe you're old school and you love the feel of a Bible in your hands, the the sound of turning pages, and that's great. If you prefer a digital option, I would recommend two great resources. The first is the Uversion Bible app, available as a free download on smartphones and tablets or online. The entire Bible along with reading plans and daily devotionals, is available at your fingertips and can be carried in your pocket or handbag. For those more visual, you might like the Bibleproject.com. In this resource, you can experience the Bible in an engaging and transformative way through video. You can explore passages, stories, and themes of the Bible from beginning to end in a creative way that captures your attention. Prayer is most easily understood as a conversational life with God, in thought, spoken, or even written words. Author Tim Keller once said, prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through his word, the Bible, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. Just as our relationships with friends and family grow and deepen as we spend time together, Time interacting with God in prayer deepens our experience of his presence. More than a resolution for this year, make Bible reading and prayer a habit, and I'll guarantee you'll experience the presence of God. There are more spiritual practices in addition to prayer and Bible reading, and we'll talk about those in the weeks to come. We've now seen the first two stages of spiritual decay in Saul's life. Let's rejoin Matt and look at the third.
0: All right, the third stage in the decline of the human spirit is this. Saul learned to tolerate poisoned relationships. Uh, David became a great soldier in Saul's army. Uh, David became a musician in his court. David's greatest longing was to be Saul's friend and servant. But Saul got jealous. Saul saw David's popularity rising, and Saul became afraid that David was going to take away what Saul was trying so hard to hang on to. Saul became incapable of healthy relationships or intimacy. This is what the writer of Scripture says. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. Saul told his son Jonathan, and all of his uh, attendants to kill David, uh, who was his friend, who was his soldier and his servant. And Jonathan, who's David's friend, said to his father, I can't do that, David is loyal to you. Look what happens. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan and he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. I mean, that could be translated a number of different ways. That's a real ugly phrase, very ugly language. Don't I know that you have sided with this son of Jesse? I mean, you can't even use David's name. To your own shame. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Saul now has tried to kill his own son, Jonathan, who loves him. I'm telling you, uh, enmity, hostility can poison relationships. He picks up his spear because his heart has gotten so twisted that somehow uh, he thinks that if he could just eliminate David, it would eliminate the brokenness in his heart. Let me tell you, when you get to this stage of decay, it will destroy you. Some of you have had someone throw spears at you. In the church where I grew up, there were these two key leaders who, for a season in their lives, were so filled with anger that they would virtually not speak to each other. I mean, this was in the church and they would say mean things about each other. They would throw spears and everyone knew about it, yet no one did anything. When that happens, that makes a mockery of the unity of the body of Christ, which is the unity Christ died for. And so I want to challenge you today with this. If you have a hardness towards someone and toward another person, if there's something in your heart that's wrong, that's off, toward another person, especially someone in the church, especially a brother or sister in Christ, would you do whatever you can to make it right, to heal it, confess it to God, get wise counsel, but go directly to that person and have a conversation or a series of conversations and patiently work through that problem. Get your heart right toward people. I'll put it like this. You have no right to damage the unity for which Christ gave his life. You have no right. You've got to, we have got to give that the best we have because Saul didn't. And it brought enormous pain and destruction to his community and it killed him. All right, so he starts by rationalizing missteps and then he learns that he can tolerate distance between himself and God And then his relationships get poisoned and his heart gets deadly. And then there's a final stage of spiritual decline. Saul betrays his ultimate values. Uh, We see this going on every day and it's just so tragic. Uh, And I'm capable of this and so are you. I've seen it happen too often with leaders, uh, spiritual leaders and others. When Saul was young and his heart belong to God one of the things that he did was he pointed Israel to God you know in the ancient world there were a lot of occult practices and idolatry and the writers of scripture are really negative about them because they attempt to tap into divine power without submitting to a personal God and his demands for justice and righteousness and that's part of why they were so destructive And Saul led the way in pointing Israel to the one true God. Now he's an old man. Uh, He's been on the throne for 40 years and they're about to face the Philistines. And he's scared. He has no friends. He has no courage. And this is what happens. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. And a really good question to ask here is, am I the kind of person who it makes sense for God to guide? See, Saul asks God for guidance, but he doesn't really want guidance because if he wanted God's will, that would mean repentance and confession. He doesn't want that. He just wants, how can I be successful? How can I get uh, inside a supernatural information to serve my agenda? That's what he wants. And God wisely won't give him that and god generally won't give that to you or me either so saul goes to this character she's known as the witch of endor and saul who outlawed the occult as a young man uses the occult as an old man this medium calls up samuel the prophet who had died some time ago and she calls up samuel from the underworld it's kind of an eerie passage Uh, people wonder what it means about life beyond death but Uh, that's not the interest of this writer of scripture here Uh, this is just the story of saul's descent Uh, samuel the prophet comes up from the underworld and says to saul why do you consult me now that the lord has departed from you and become your enemy tomorrow you and your sons will be with me (laughs) and death has not mellowed samuel at all Uh, there's a big battle uh, the next day and the last time we see saul He's fallen on his own sword after he's lost the battle and his kingdom. It's a real poignant story. Uh, David asks all of Israel to weep for Saul. Uh, when the prophet Samuel died, all of Israel wept tears of gratitude for his life, tears of sorrow over the man they would miss. When King Saul died, no one cried for him. And so David had to command it. And then they wept tears over the man he might have been over the reign he could have had and i have to say the farther i move along in life the more i think about how i want to finish well and i want you to finish well and it doesn't happen by accident you don't just drift into it here's the main thing i want to say to you and this is the really good news no matter how old you are, no matter how badly you've messed up, no matter what you've done that you wish you had not done, there is a place where you can come for a fresh start. And it's the foot of the cross. Through what Jesus did on the cross, God wants to give you a fresh start. It's kind of a cool thing in the New Testament, there's a man who is also named Saul. Uh, He was also headed on a really destructive path. And then he meets Jesus Christ and he's given a new identity. His name becomes Paul, the great apostle, the great advocate, the great servant for Jesus. You see, Jesus is the one who can take a Saul and turn him into a Paul. He can take someone whose life was going to be wrecked and turn him into a radiant light. And he'll do that for you. And he'll do that for me. All right, let me pray for you. God, I just pray for those who are listening right now. If they're headed down the wrong path, like Saul was, I just pray that you would convict our hearts through your Holy Spirit, turn them around. And God, I pray that they would start moving in your direction. Uh, They would receive the life that you offer through what you've done on the cross through Jesus Christ. And it would take us in a whole new direction and we would become this radiant light in this world. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 8.45, 10, and 11.15. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to Blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, And we hope to see you on Sunday soon.